So you've always wondered what happens when two podcasters get on a podcast. Well, you're about to find out. This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Readings and Felicitations. In this podcast series, I'm going to be visiting with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, historians, and a wide variety of other people on topics that are outside the area of compliance, but are of great interest to myself and to listeners to the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me fellow podcaster, Chris Connor. You've always wondered what happens when two podcasters get on a podcast. Well, you're about to find out. Chris, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Chris, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what you're up to these days? So my professional background is uh, fairly mixed. It's been a long road to get here, but I started out as a scientist. I'm a molecular biologist, geneticist by training. So I worked in a lab for several years. I worked at the Livermore uh, National Laboratory I worked at UC Santa Barbara studying um, the virulence of salmonella, different salmonella strains. And then I took some time off from science altogether and managed to end up getting a job in marketing for a company that made scientific instruments. And after a few of those companies, I went out on my own and probably, I guess, seven years ago, almost eight, well, I just finished my seventh year of being a podcaster um, on Life Science Marketing Radio, where I've been interviewing marketers, both inside and outside life sciences, to get their best ideas about ways to do marketing and hopefully advance life sciences in that area, because it's been lagging, although I think we're catching up pretty well these days. Well, that really leads into what is Life Science Marketing Radio. So that is my podcast. Um, as I said, I interview marketers both inside and outside life sciences. Sometimes it's about career and leadership, and sometimes it's about strategy or different tactics that people are using and willing to share with others uh, just to improve their marketing. That's my podcast. My business is creating content largely based around custom content for life science companies, starting with a podcast and then turning that into written content as well. You know, if we uh, deleted your name and inserted Tom Fox, it would sound uh, not very similar, but the same. So uh, that was one of the reasons I was so intrigued to uh, to visit with you. And in, in listening to you, it sounds like uh, your audience, although focused on life science, uh, might be a bit broader uh, as well, because you're talking about a lot of issues that I think have broader applicability to the business world. Would that be a fair assessment? I, yeah, I don't know that the audience is broader, but certainly when I look at these things, I think you know there's an attraction to the life science audience because of who I speak to. But in reality, at the end of every, every episode, I look at it and I go, you know, if, even if you weren't in life science, you would learn something here. Um, and especially around career and leadership, but even with the marketing, um, you know, there are a few things that are a little unique to life sciences, or we try to put it in that context, but really there's nothing unique about good marketing. So I'm a lawyer by professional background and training, 
and I can geek out with the best of them. And sometimes we will geek out into some esoteric jurisdictional issue that I have more fun than anybody listening. Do you find that with your professional background, you're able to really take a deep dive and fully geek out if you're so inclined on a podcast? Yes. So that's, that's one of the fun things is, um, if, if I'm talking to somebody, well, first of all, I understand the customer of the people I'm talking to because I have been that person. So I understand how a scientist thinks when they're evaluating a new kit or a new instrument and, you know, what it's going to take for me to change how I do things. So I have that. And then, of course, I love understanding new technologies. I very happy to be a podcaster and not be at the bench, but I love learning about all the things that are possible for scientists today. So why did you settle upon the podcast format? I have have my thoughts on why I did it, but you've called audio marketing a sweet spot. So why do you call it that? And how did you really come to that realization? If I can phrase it that way. Sure. So let I'll back up to say why I started a podcast. I had a blog when I started my own sort of marketing consultancy, and I had a fair number of what I thought were pretty good ideas, but you had to come up with them on a pretty regular basis, and then I had to write them down, <laughs> and I felt like I was sort of lecturing to my audience, and I thought, you know, I know a lot of really smart people. <laughs> Why don't I just talk to them? And what prompted that was... Uh, as I was starting my business, I was listening to lots of podcasts as I was out exercising or whatever about marketing. And I thought, you know, if I don't do this, because there was no life science marketing podcast when I started, somebody else is going to. In fact, I know who that person would be. And so I said, I'm going to do this first. That turned out to be probably the luckiest career decision I've ever made. So when preparation meets opportunity, luck occurs. Yeah. And it sounds like to me what you've just described as preparation meeting opportunity. Preparation really from your professional career uh, as a scientist to be able to talk the talk, but more importantly, walk the walk. And then the opportunity, because in 2012 or 2013, whenever you got started, uh, nobody else was doing it. And that that was my experience in the anti-corruption compliance world. Nobody else was doing it. And I had the field uh, wide open to myself for uh, several years. So uh, kudos. So why, how or why does audio make content creation easier? In my space, um, people are busy, right? And the people that are writing a lot of the content for life science companies, whether they're selling reagents or complicated instruments, they're busy, they're scientists, they weren't hired as writers. But often those companies rely on them to sort of lay out the features and benefits of whatever new product they have. And that's that's a difficult thing for anybody. Even a writer, you know, faces the what they call the tyranny of the blank page. But if you sat down in front of those folks with your iPhone and hit record, you could get them talking about it probably more than you want and then turn that conversation into written content that makes it both easier for them and easier for you, which is essentially what I'm doing on the podcast when I'm turning it into written content. Much easier for me to ask somebody five good questions 
and then write a paper based on it than to sit down and do all the research and, and write it on a blank page. Let me flip the, uh, the focus just a little bit from yourself as the podcast producer to the guest or the business who uh, you are either contracted uh, to do this with or you're just doing it with. Why does it make sense for people in the life sciences industry to either be on a podcast or if they're a business, have their own podcast? Uh, well, for individuals, I mean, there's a thought leadership opportunity, right? Most, a lot of folks, you know, want to, whether it's just for their career or uh, to draw attention to their business, it's a good idea to get on a podcast. You can reach probably an audience that you might not find somewhere else. For your business itself, I still think, even though there, I don't know how many millions of podcasts there are, but a lot of them, you know, don't last more than a few episodes. Uh, there's an opportunity to sort of be a leader in the space and tell a story that attracts people. And more and more people, as you know, I'm sure, are listening to podcasts. And I think if you can create stories or interviews around topics that people want to learn about that are in your target audience, um, you create a little bit different relationship with them. They, there's, there's some magic to having a voice in their ear telling those stories and being associated with those through the podcast. We'll be right back with more from Chris Connor after this message. It took me a long time as a lawyer to really see storytelling as a critical art form. As lawyers were taught, we're structured in the way we were taught to write legal briefs or other documents, whether it be for a judge, a court of appeals, or a client. And uh, but I've fully embraced the storytelling aspect. Why do you find storytelling about life sciences to be such a powerful tool in the audio format? There are just so many interesting things going on in life science, as we've all sort of realized over the last two years. I think <laughs> the world population knows a lot more about biology than they did two years ago. Infectious disease isn't all of it. There's a lot of interesting things. Everybody's concerned with human health and maybe production of food. And rather than telling people, you know, we sell this thing, it's so much more effective to draw them in and say, here's what's going on in the world. Here is a health problem. I watched a video yesterday morning, I think, on why no one talks about the ozone layer anymore. It's a pretty interesting scientific story. Um, because if you were around in the eighties, you knew that that was, <clears throat> you know, sort of the doomsday prediction, but magically everybody came together and said, we're going to do something about this. We're going to outlaw CFCs. And, you know, the conclusion of the video is that, well, the ozone hole has finally started closing and by 2035 should no longer exist, which is a pretty amazing thing. So there's a story right there that is, sort of affects everybody and everybody, I think, can understand. Let me pick up on a point you raised, which was outcomes from the pandemic. I interviewed a, I would call him a healthcare provider, but he provides stretching services. His company is called Stretch Zone, not a chiropractor. They just stretch you. And we were, uh, he opened his business during the pandemic. And I, I asked him about that. And he said, his experience was two things happened during the pandemic in his business. One was people became much more aware of health issues and 
the second thing was that they became much more aware of their responsibility. Uh, whereas I sort of grew up in an era, well, you just go to the doctor and they take care of it. Um, in the pandemic, many of us realized, hey, this is our responsibility, uh, you know, to mask, to um, use good social distancing or other strategies to try to avoid uh, catching COVID if, if you were at risk. And that a lot of people who may not have considered his services are, are go, m- migrating towards that. Would that same type of analysis uh, be consistent with what you saw from the life sciences perspective? Whereas, as you said, many people know a whole lot more about biology than they did 18 or 24 months ago. And that people, non-life science professionals, are interested in consuming content around those issues? Yeah, I don't have any specific data on that, but I think... um certainly there's the interest is there and a a podcast done well might might serve to help educate people further um you know i have a lot of thoughts going through my head right now about how we fight misinformation and i see even with the omicron variant coming out today i've read at least two conflicting ideas about what's going on with that i have sort of a sit back and wait approach to see because it's you know the first version is never quite right but certainly people are interested i'm glad to hear people are thinking about their responsibility and if this is a moment to take advantage of in terms of educating people about their own health and uh, how to make the whole world healthier that's a great opportunity well uh and then we now flip that from an opportunity to educate to perhaps a business opportunity uh, because companies are in business to sell products and services. And if they can, uh, uh, has the pandemic given healthcare services companies, whether products or services, life sciences, I should say, uh, a greater opportunity to reach more people because of greater awareness? Is that a message that uh, businesses should take advantage of through the podcast format? My first answer, of course, is yes. Uh, um, you know, I think when, you think about the the broad audience outside of you know the life science customers that I talked about, but consumer customers of information. Certainly, if you're a healthcare provider, I think there's a huge opportunity for stories, if done right, and they don't sound promotional, to really help people think about their own health and things they can do to improve their health. But it, I think it has to be packaged in stories that. Pe- that don't feel like you're being taught that feel like, Oh, you know, that's an interesting story about a person who overcame some challenge or was faced with a disease or avoided a disease. And yet it sounds like a story that you would love to hear from someone at a cocktail party. You know, I really like your emphasis throughout that answer on the word story, because I think that's the key in what I try to tell podcast guests are when they say something along the lines, I don't want to sound like an infomercial. I said, look, you just tell your story. That's what people care about. Uh, if you go too far down the road, I'll, I'll back you down or, or, you know, change the direction. But if you're telling a story about your product, your service or something, people are interested in hearing stories and you hit it right on the head, just like you would at a cocktail party. It's like, Oh, I heard this great story. And, um, 
So I really like, uh, I really appreciate the way you've kind of packaged that and set that up as a reason for people to contract with you to do podcasts, come on your podcast. You have one thing on your website that I'm going to ask you about, and this is for my own business development uh, <clears throat> ankle, and that was using audio during an event. Have you done podcasting during when we had live events? Uh, and uh, what was your experience around that? I have done it, honestly, at one event. It was a while back, obviously, pre-pandemic, where, first of all, if you are a podcaster addressing a certain audience, um, there's an, many of those people are there at an event. So I interviewed a number of people who were participating at an event. And so that helped me and it helped the event. When I'm talking broadly about podcasting for events, your event shouldn't be a once a year thing. I mean, you have an audience that you are trying to bring into an event, but it always seems to me like uh, we're planning the whole thing. People are going to show up. They're going to get whatever they get out of it and they're going to go away. But why wouldn't you continue to educate those folks all year long and have them share your content to broaden the potential audience for next year? I, I think there or people who couldn't attend, especially now. I hear a lot about virtual events, but I went to a, a little Zoom call yesterday where people say some people will watch the virtual version during the event. After that, there is no more participation. No, people aren't going and looking for it. Uh, but again, a podcast, not a Zoom call. People can listen to year round and stay connected with your organization. I think that's a big opportunity. So let me ask you to turn to that veiled land of the future. And where do you see content creation for the life sciences uh, industry or discipline, uh, your sweet spot down the road in perhaps 2025 or even beyond? Yeah, I see a trend and I'm trying to ride this wave as well of, you know, companies thinking like media entities <laughs> and really, you know, producing more and more content. So I think there'll be more I guess fractured is a way to say it, but more individual channels of people or companies producing their content around what they're doing. Hopefully not to just sell product, but again, going back to telling those stories, there are so many topics. I tell people <laughs> that I'm trying to do business with, I have a list of 20 topics that are not covered by podcasts that scientists would want to hear about. There's all kinds of things, but um, so I think that's, that's the opportunity there is to, is that there will be a lot more content as there is everywhere. Right. But I, and in fact, I was just contacted yesterday by someone in, who's a video producer and said he had pitched a TV show around science to his science company. And we're having a meeting about that this afternoon. Very cool. Well, and uh, what about that same question, but focusing on podcasting? I know you and I both experienced growth. We've seen the tremendous growth in podcasts literally across the globe. Any thoughts on where podcasting in general might be headed down the road? That is, it, it's hard for me to say, but I don't, 
um, I'm curious what your experience has been during the pandemic, whether you've seen listeners go up or down because people are or are not commuting as much. But the, the growth trend for podcasting has been pretty positive over the last decade. Um, it's pretty stunning. I think half the people in the U.S. have listened to a podcast and maybe at least a third listen on a regular basis to some podcast. So uh, as long as people are still driving to work I, and radio programming is as dismal as it is, I think there's a there's a window there. So my own personal experience is my overall numbers went up about 30% during the pandemic. And um, so it was very, very good for my podcast network. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Um, Chris, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, on life science, marketing, radio, or really even any of the topics we've touched upon in this podcast, where could they go? I think the best place to go is uh, to the website, lifesciencemarketingradio.com. You can get to my LinkedIn through there. You can sign up for my newsletter and you can schedule a, if you're interested in talking to me, there are plenty of places where you can schedule a quick 15 minute chat and we can talk about whatever you like. Well, Chris, uh, it's been a ton of fun to talk to another podcaster. Your story is amazingly similar to mine and, uh, I hope your success continues on. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. This is Tom Fox. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Greetings and Felicitations. This will be our final podcast for 2021. We've had a lot of fun with this series, the Lyme disease series with Ben Lockwin and Scott Endicott was a big highlight for me, and I hope that uh, you enjoyed it as well. If you'd like to be on this podcast to talk about something other than compliance, whatever it may be, I'd love to uh, visit with you. You can contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I wish you a very happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, or whatever you may be celebrating. We look forward to visiting with you in 2022.